Welcome back to Politodoxy. I'm Aaron Friedman, and today we have Elias Cunningham, the chairman of the New York State Teen Republicans. Elias, what's up? Hey, I mean, uh, thank you for having me on, Aaron. By the way, it's great to be here um, over the phone with you. Uh, nothing much. Uh, feeling good. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to this. Yeah. So, you you uh, you attended a political conference it was as i recall it was in albany i'm looking forward what was what was discussed what were the plans discussed uh, in the conference absolutely so the conference was the next generation of leadership conference uh, i'm the chairman as you said of the new york state team republicans so the nysqr held our first of hopefully many uh, next generation of leadership conferences well it'll always take place in albany it's mainly where people, high schooler. So, just a little quick background information. The NYSTR was founded in 2021. It's a high school-based organization for high school Republicans across the state, looking to get involved in politics and actually just uh, honestly uh, take away, or I rather, I, I rather should say, destroy the one-party establishment in Albany because people are fed up with it. So this entire conference was getting people geared up for 2024, growing in common knowledge with canvassing, graphic design, political jobs, uh, and really just, I mean, hearing from great guest speakers like Mr. Ruben Estrada, um, uh, one being uh, uh, Josh Eisen. So, uh, you know, uh, our organization is fully full speed ahead, and uh, we're looking forward to um, uh, switching New York State from blue to red. So there, were there uh, lively debates, or was this only a a conversation um, between between the leadership and what to do next? Was it was this like a debate in tactics, or just just um, conversations so, between so the just groups? A really, really conference of helping teen Republicans that are getting involved right in the beginning that don't really have the knowledge to help grow them in knowledge, help them grow in experience to what to expect in these elections how to get out there, how to make voter contacts. And it's really important at that point because once 2024 comes, New York State, and I said it before uh, on another interview, uh, it's a very it's on the edge from switching from blue to red. And uh, Albany Democrats have failed so much that they, have, they are creating a massive opposition. Uh, we as Republicans are gearing up, we're getting ready. Uh, so mainly it was just to help everybody grow in knowledge so that when the time you know does come, uh, we will be ready to get Republican candidates across the finish line. That's great to hear. So at the, the, at the conference, just a, just a random question to know about the conference, were there any discussion about getting people registered to vote and reaching out not only to high school and so on, but reaching out also to college students? Were there a, is, there, yeah, is there a plan so, formulated on that front, getting people registered? Yeah, we, were, we, we touched base on the conversation. And by the way, the Young Republicans, Chairman Peter Gunta and Vice Chairman Bobby Walker of the New York State Young Republicans helped us greatly at this conference. They helped uh, talk to many of the newer teens. Uh, that are getting involved but i mean some of our members our membership starts at 13 and ends at 19 so some of our members are already registered some of our members are getting pre-registered they don't know how to pre-register so we talked about that mainly not mainly but along those lines as well um but college students the so new york has a new york state team republicans 
which I run, our ages are 13 to 19. They have the New York State Young Republicans, ages uh, 18 to 40. And then they have the College Republicans, uh, that is ran by James Marcy. He's a great guy. Uh, and that's just anybody that's in college in the state of New York that you know wants to start a campus uh, chapter. So we did touch base on the topic that you know if you're going to college, the college Republicans will be happy to have you. Well, that's great. So um, talking about all the political stances w that we can take yeah. and about the plans on moving forward, I think it's just a very good idea also to discuss and touch on the subject on where do you uh, align politically? Where um, where where is your um where uh, do you take this um take the more conservative stance okay. because we have discussed um we have discussed in private and you yeah. said that you're um uh, that you're a little bit more moderate but you have also very pro life issues as we've discussed beforehand yeah. so, so tell me exactly where you line up. See, um, I'm a big moderate and uh, I get a lot of backlash for some of the things I believe in. Uh, for one, I, you know, it's not really for one major issue is preserving the environment that I have. Yes, take on. I, I agree with you most, very much on that. Uh, yeah, I think one of the most conservative things you can do is to preserve the environment. Yeah, and by the way, I, I just I, uh, sorry for cutting you off. I just want to make this a very, a very um, interesting part clear. I think it was 15 years ago, Bobby Kennedy, um, before he um, was no. this famous and running for president, he said that the conservatives have taken the conserve out of conservatism because he said he, and this was and he was speaking specifically on the environment, and I agreed with him. I agree with him 100% on this. I yeah. asked the conservatives, what have you conserved throughout, uh, throughout your entire reign fighting against the left? I mean, the left, they've been talking about the environment, although their solutions are crazy, but at yeah. the very end, you still have to conserve the very environment, and well, conservatives have not done a good job. Yeah. So continue. Even with that, they're not even solutions. I mean, one is, you know, trying to push all cars to be battery, uh, battery ran, but, the you know, process to make those batteries are much more harmful to the environment than uh, gas-powered cars, especially to dispose of those batteries. So all of these, you know, the Democrats don't actually have a good idea. All they're doing is protesting, gluing their hands on concrete. Uh, that's I think really that's I think that's only the British. I think that's only the British. I'm not sure, but <laughs> as I recall, I think it's yeah, only... Yeah, um, I, I'm a big moderate. I, I believe in bipartisanship. I believe in political unity, uh, a standpoint to end this polarization in this country where the government and I think uh, speaking of Bobby Kennedy Jr., I mean, he talked about this greatly that, you know, what we have in America right now is a system where the media and the two parties, political parties that are moving so far to the right and so far to the left and the media right there in the middle to divide the people. They need the people divided. Right. The media is ran by the same people at the top. They the government needs the people divided so that they can dumb out the people so that they don't actually focus on the main issues at hand, which is, uh, you know, and that's where I'm a big moderate because I, I really do believe in political unity. Some of my views are a little more left leaning than others. Um, and, you know, I just I. It's it's sad to see when people go far right and far left because it's unnecessary. I believe it creates more problems in a democracy. Uh, and um, I just, you know, I, I always take that middle stance where I can grow knowledge uh, on an issue from both standpoints. So you, um, you say you said a, f uh, 
few times that you are a big moderate and you you believe in bipartisanship. So the, I'm just going to make myself clear here. I um, disagree on I disagree on the bipartisanship because I don't believe that uh, when when there are two sides or we should call it the uniparty. Um, when they want to go and screw the uh, the populace of the United States, I don't. I'm not looking for bipartisanship. I'm looking for uprooting the system entirely. If they, if they are trying, if they, as a matter of fact, are trying to push through bills or the, okay. we we can use the deep state, but we can also so talk about can... just the administrative state trying to push through new yeah. uh, things that goes against the the entire conservative cause, then I do not believe in the idea of bipartisanship. I have no problem with having, um, as a matter of fact, I love having the Kennedy Democrats. They are the most open-minded Democrats. Let me just point this out. Yeah. When I was at the, when I was uh, at um, the Sean Hannity, um, Kennedy conversation over there, yeah, well, the, he, the Democrats, <laughs> the Kennedy Democrats, they are the most open-minded Democrats I've met so far. Yeah, they are. And, uh, I mean... Uh, and a big part right now playing out there is that there's uh, a lot of Kennedy Republicans, uh, same Republicans in the middle that believe in this, you know, fact that um, we need political unity. And if I could just ask you, I know you, you touch base on you don't believe in bipartisanship. Do you believe that partisan politics work? Partisan politics? Well, in a... In large part, yes. Look at the left. The left have taken on the Sololinsky type uh, tactics, and they have added only their way and no and no um, compromise. Now, the moderates oh. in the party they oh. compromise with the Republicans constantly, but the radicals they set the agenda. So the radicals they got the moderates to push a more left wing agenda. So they got all everything that they fought for. They already won, and the Republicans oh. lost. So partisan politics works. It depends on how you implement it and how effective you are. Go ahead. Well, let me ask you this. So, so if we're just we can't just call it quits, because if you know the, the left is moving so further to the left, that doesn't mean we as Republicans should move further to the right because they're doing the opposite. We should be the bigger people. When people are immature and they don't want to compromise, that should be an even. You should be even more determined to push for that unity, to push for that bipartisanship. Because the fact is, I mean, if. Democrats had controlled the House, House Republicans had controlled the Senate, uh, and we just stuck to our places of the far right and the far left. Nothing, honestly, would get done unless Republicans would reach across the aisle to talk about to talk to certain Democrats and give them a good point why they should pass a certain bill or act or even reverse if the Democrats wanted to talk bipartisanship wise, reach out and discuss how to get a bill passed because. You know, that's where the problem comes in. We saw it before when Trump shut down the government when he didn't get the border wall. And it was because we were so partisan at the time that he had to do it. And that enacted bipartisanship. The people say, all right, we'll get the wall done. You know, that's I think it's very crucial that bipartisanship happens when a government has only two major parties. And uh, that's really the only thing that our legislation is going to get passed. Well, well, I will have to disagree with that on the on the topic of the bipartisanship. I have no problem, again, I have no problem with having Democrats vote conservative. And sometimes, as a matter of fact, sometimes we have uh, conservatives who, they, as, I, as we've discussed earlier, they just don't conserve anything, not the environment, not culture, not tradition, nothing. They just cave in on everything. And um, that, in part, I would blame on 
the idea of just being bipartisanship for the for being bipartisanship. It's basically we're being bipartisanship just so we could be friendly and after after the vote they go both out for dinner and they don't um and nothing actually has been accomplished. But anyway, so as you said, you are of a more moderate um, variety yeah. of uh, Republican. but And you've also discussed something that I've also seen very interesting, that there are a lot of conservatives, and these are very good conservatives. These are not, um, not even liberal. They are actually conservative, but they still think that Bobby Kennedy is great and amazing and all that. And yeah. I have criticized him wherever um, I have to criticize, and I have praised him wherever there needs to be praising. As a matter of fact, I, I pointed out a very important fact about Bobby Kennedy, that he, want, that he said that he's going to if he becomes president, he will pardon Julian Assange and Edward, Edward Snowden. And I completely endorse that idea. And this is, and when I heard that, I, I immediately perked up and I was like, okay, you know what? This guy might have a chance with me. I'm not going to vote for him, probably. But saying... Go ahead. I can add to that. Really, I mean, I get, so I, I, I have a favor liking to Kennedy. And there's people out there that like to bash me. Like, they, they like to... They, <laughs> I get. I know there's certain uh, person. I'm not gonna, you know, mention her name, but there's some people that make it such a big deal than what it has to be. And um, although I'm a Republican, uh, of course, if it was between Kennedy and Trump, I would, you know, pick Trump or DeSantis or you know whatever. Um, but I'm a type of guy that puts character first, and that puts the matter at hand, not who is part of the party, but who's actually going to work for the American people and have the best interests in mind. When we have people in government that are, you know, more for for camera opportunity uh, than actually getting legislation passed, no matter what party they should, they're in, they shouldn't be in office. So I have a liking to Kennedy as a Republican just because of the things that he says, but there's parts where I disagree with him as well. Uh, like he stood... Um, what was it? What was it called? Affirmative action. He he. Said oh yes, that I saw that. Ban. I saw and that. Like that, and that's that's perfectly fine. We live in a democracy. We live in a country where we have freedom of speech, where we have freedom of the right to think. We will have. You will never. I, and I hope no one will ever a hundred percent agree with a politician, or somebody running for office. No one should ever a hundred percent agree with somebody. Um, there's going to be disagreements. There's going to be people that think otherwise or think differently than who they're supporting. But the overall fact is if they're going to actually get the job done. And I think that's how we have to look more at it than party loyalty. I think uh, it's really great, especially when you're in a position of leadership, that you have to be party loyal. But the truth is when voters get out there and every voter that I've talked to, even Republicans, even far left Democrats, people that I've talked to that are so far out to the left and so far out to the right or in the middle say – that if uh, I, a Republican would say if there was a Democrat that's good, I'd vote for him or a Democrat say if there was a good Republican, I'd vote for them. One example is right here in Chester, New York. Right. Uh, there's a uh, election going on between Democrat Brandon Holdridge and Republican Robert Valentine. I know plenty and a ton amount of Republicans that are going out to support the Democrat because they don't agree and they absolutely do not support what the Republican supervisor is doing right now. And that's how voters look at it. Many – the majority of voters across this country aren't party loyal. They're loyal to who's going to actually put the country first. And I think that's how people have to start looking at it. Yeah. So as I was – just uh, I want to just finish the thought that I had earlier no, about, Ken about Kennedy that – I would 
I am open to Kennedy. I will probably not vote for him. I'm a conservative. I'm not. Uh, I'm not two thousand. I'm not a two thousands type of Democrat, which I see Kennedy as. He's more of a two thousands type of Democrat. But, yeah. but when he said that he's going to pardon them, that that is huge. That is so huge for me that I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna listen to this guy. I'm gonna see exactly where this goes. It's still a highly probability probability that it won't happen. But you've opened. In other words, he's opened the door, but I'm probably not going to go through that door. But it's open. It's open, and I'm open-minded towards Kennedy. Anyway, but regardless if I am going to vote for him or not, I think we can both agree, having Kennedy instead of Biden on the debate stage, which, by the way, I don't believe Biden is even going to debate Trump, but if, and, and I'm saying Trump, not DeSantis, because it seems like Trump will be the nominee. Anyway, so having the Kennedy debate Trump, both outsiders, both people that the establishment have attacked and, and tried to destroy... When we ha we when we will have that dichotomy, it's not uh, it's not Republican versus Democrat anymore. Although I do appreciate the debate of Republican versus Democrat, but it's not anymore only that. It's now the establishment versus the outsiders. This will create a very interesting dynamic between the Republican voters and the Democrat voters. It will change the entire national conversation. That is why I as a conservative, I don't support Kennedy in the general, but I do support him in the primary against against um, Biden. What do you think about that? I think if people look at it as being loyal to the Republican Party, you're going to want Biden. If there's people out there that are more party loyal than thinking what's best for the country, they're going to want Biden because Biden will absolutely lose to Trump in a terrible, terrible way. If Kennedy gets that nomination, and usually people that aren't as party loyal, people that actually take liking and listen to the other side, they're more open-minded, well, like Kennedy. But Kennedy has the greatest chance, probably will, better, uh, of beating Donald Trump. Right now with the polls nationwide, all different kind, Kennedy holds, I believe it was a 48% uh, favorability amongst all voters. Trump was uh, 42 and Biden was 30, uh, 33. Um, you know, that gap right there, that really unites the country. There are many Democrats. If, so if Kennedy was to get the nomination, right, obviously all Democrats are voting for him. Then you have those same independents that did not vote Trump that will take much more of a liking to Kennedy. And then you have those Republicans, too, that still don't like Trump and then 100 percent will vote for Kennedy because they like what he's saying, because practically Kennedy has that conservative values and views. Kennedy will win by a massive landslide. So personally, yeah, I support Kennedy for, you know, the nomination because I think it would be an entertaining fight because both Kennedy and Trump I have a liking to. I wouldn't care if either of them won. But uh, that's looking at it if you have a more open mind. But usually people that will have a party loyal mind would absolutely want Biden to, um, uh, I guess, get the nomination. All right. So we have discussed um, your more moderate um, point of view. Now yeah. let's now let's discuss more of the your more conservative point of view. Just before we do that, I just want to uh, point out that even even as a moderate, what I ca what I can tell on your character is that you are a team player. You will and uh, you will. You do have some, at least some extent of party loyalty. You are a team player. You will try to win and beat the Democrats at their game, but also have an independent mind enough to uh, be open to maybe maybe this Democrat is saying something that is worth looking at. So you're at least you are at the very least independent minded, but also a team player, which is very much appreciated. All right. So now let's look at the more conservative stance, which 
which is pro-life. So where do you align on the pro-life issue? I have, um, so pretty much I think abortion is an abomination. I don't, I think it's like sad. I think it's disgusting. People have done the action to have the baby. Uh, I think, you know, it's just that I'm pro-life. However, I believe in cases of, uh, of rape, of sexual abuse, of if it's endangering the mother's life. I mean, we have to, you know, it's just before it actually fully becomes um, a fetus. And usually women that get raped, I mean, there was a story, I think it was in Ohio, where a 12-year-old girl had gotten raped and then still had to carry that baby. They had to travel across borders uh, to have an abortion because that would have killed the mother and obviously the baby as well. So, I mean, I'm pro-life, but that doesn't mean just in the womb. That means outside the womb too that means if we are going to if republic people in the far right want to 100 ban abortion there's obviously people that are going to be dumb out you know dumb in the world and that will have will do you know the things to create a baby and then when they get out in the world they can't physically carry that baby we have to fix the foster care system we have to fix how we uh you know handle kids that are in homes that don't have the resources to keep them on their feet to go to school. Uh, so I'm not just pro-life in, you know, in the womb, but it's pro-life of taking care of the kids outside as well. So here, I'm going to push back a little bit on the Ohio issue, um, that of the 12-year-old girl you said? Yeah. Yeah, so the story about that, let's, uh, let's first um, look at the very obvious thing, that the media did not report who raped her. It was an illegal immigrant, so that goes to show that we need to take care of the border issue. But another thing that we need to point out is that it's actually, it is legal in Ohio to, for a 12-year-old to have an abortion, knowing that the 12-year-old that the might not survive or put the 12-year-old in danger. So what they did there is actually they made, sure, they made this into a political issue to say, you see... See, they are very restrictive. Well, they could have had that abortion in Ohio, but they decided to make her cross the party uh, the party lines. They made her cross the state lines in order there should be a national news story. So this was a manufactured story that didn't have to happen. Anyway, well, even at that, even at if if this was set up like that, and may, I'm sure it was because people are that disgusting. But there are stories about this. Again and again and again, there will be people that are in the younger years that will be raped because we live in such an evil world, despite whether it is an illegal immigrant or not. And I, I 100 percent agree. We have to take care of our borders. We have to close them. We have to actually set up a system where people can come in legally, correctly at the border, set up somewhere right there. But, you know, this happens on a daily basis, whether or not it's illegal to immigrant. Some cases it will be just a, a creepy guy. Uh, a citizen here in the United States. And I think it's completely unfair, an innocent little girl uh, that would have to still carry that child all the way to the end. And that child being born to a world where the foster, kids are, the foster care system is broken, where they can't get the resources they need in growing up in the world, you know, and, and, you know, they didn't ask for the life. You know, I think when we create life, we have to, I'm not going to say give them the world, you know, children but we have to provide that care for them to actually grow and uh be mindful you know etc so i think um just i'm i believe i'm 100 percent pro-life but there should be um uh what's the word 
uh, exceptions. Yeah. So um, you mentioned earlier that there are people more on the far right that don't believe in exceptions. I, personally, here's here's I'm going to just put, point this out. I haven't seen anyone in the, on the far, uh, so-called far right that says that there should be no exceptions, period. When they say there should be no... Okay, well, let me just point this out. I well, I, I haven't seen it. What And when they do, what they explain on later is that they mean by that that the in the cases of rape and incest they are still also pro-life because they don't believe the the way the child was conceived th that has any bearing on the child's value the child exists it is a child of god the circumstances under which is very sad and should be and should make sure never to happen Regardless of that, the child's value still is um, still is infinitely value. So they say no exceptions, meaning that you want to make those exceptions. They those are not exceptions. The only thing where they would say, okay, there is an there should be an exception is in the if the case of the mother, if the life of the mother is in jeopardy. But another thing, here's another thing, that. As far as I understand it, there is no such thing as an abortion to save the life of the mother. There is such a thing trying to save the life of the mother, and by proxy, the child has to die. But I don't, I'm unaware of an abortion, just using the word, the technical defini definition of the word, of abortion that would save the life of the mother. There are, certain, there are certain things you do to save the life of the mother, and by proxy, that would kill the child. But that's not an abortion. That is, a, that is a, the byproduct of which is the child dies. But that's not an abortion. The abortion is trying to kill the child so that the child dies. This is not trying to kill the child. This is trying to save the life of the mother. So, uh, and so but, but I, get, I get that popular vernacular is that it's called an abortion, that we call it an abortion, but... I don't believe that that is a, a v actual a very good dis um, description of what is happening. But here's here's another point. Um, back to the back to the subject of how do you square that if you believe that the life of the child is infinitely value as if if it were conceived um, without rape or incest. What would you say to those who are, uh, the rape and incest um, children? What would you say to th um, to them um, that they um, their value is the the way that they were conceived now they the mother has a right to abort them how do you how do you uh, make they sense of that they, they absolutely have value and that's when abortions happen when it's before at the like after the first trimester uh, trimester when it's not 100% um you know it doesn't have the nerves or etc from that i and as i said i believe abortion is an abomination but it is 100% unfair to the women, especially younger, younger women that have, you know, <laughs> don't have the ability that didn't ask for this to carry that child uh, throughout the entire 12 months. It's it's or nine months. I, I It's just completely unfair. And to the, you know, <laughs> it, it's it's just it shows the evil in this world. And I, I I'm a huge um. Uh, I'm a Christian. Uh, I, you know, I, I read my Bible daily, and just the evil is growing more and more. And you know, things are going to happen uh, that we can't help. Um, but back to your question, everybody's worth is equal. It's just a hundred percent unfair. If it was a younger woman that didn't have, didn't ask for any of it, that has that has been raped. And that can have an, uh, an abortion. 
I know Republicans. I know elected officials. I know people that ran for office and still said – I'm not going to name out a name, but I know people that ran for office that had this belief that 100 percent, no exceptions, abortion should be banned. And that's – it's just – see. It's, you see, when they say, yeah, that's that's what exactly what I was talking about just a moment ago, is that when they say abortion should be banned, they're looking at it as, as abortion, the, no, no, the practice no, of getting rid of the... I know what you said, but I'm saying from the standpoint of no exceptions, whether or not how the baby was conceived, whether it was rape or incest, whatever, it's 100% no. I know people with those kind of beliefs, and that's what's, I'd say, scary and unfair. I know people. And I know what you said, but I'm, I'm telling you that I know people that are that extreme that go no. Elected officials in the South are lawmakers. And um, it, it's just it, – it's not fair to the baby and the parent. There's like – there's no – there will be – never. There will be no middle ground uh, of correcting abortion um, or just uniting on the topic because either – one works and the other falls. It's like uh, the scale, or the other side weighs more and less. There's never going to be that equal balance. Um, but I just, you know, and even at that, on the topic of abortion, um, I, you know, I, I just, as I, as I said, I'm pro-life. I think it's an abomination. I'm still sticking to that. But I also think it is very unfair. All right. So, okay. So we uh, we disagree on that because you think in the case yeah. of the mothers, um, in the if there is rape or incest, then then the mother should have the right to abort, or at the very least, I, I would I suspect that um, you you would have also a cutoff date. You would be like, okay, um, until no, till yeah, when? Absolutely. But even at that, if we do a hundred percent ban abortions, but we have to if we do that with no exceptions, and that mother gives birth to that child into you know into the world and de decides not to keep the child and gives it away we have to fix our foster care system we have to fix the system in america we have to help kids grow we have to help give them give them the education to get them on their feet because right now it's completely broken it is in shambles and nothing is getting done about it and it's really unfair to the child's life that gets brought into this world usually some mothers i know people i know people that have abortion had abortions and they regret it entirely. They, they are ashamed of themselves, but they did not want to bring in a child in the world that they knew that they couldn't take care of. And that's with a lot of people. They don't want to bring a child into the world that they don't know. They know that they can't take care of. And that's on their that's their fault. I understand that. But it, it's very unfair to the child if they are born into the world and they don't get the care that they need. And, you know, they, they're just growing up on the streets. They're homeless because they didn't have that family. They didn't have the stability from the government. Um so it's it's either one way or the other. We can either ban abortion entirely, but give those kids the opportunity as soon as they get in this world, or we make it the exceptions for these certain people that aren't that they can't that know that they cannot uh, take care of the child. So uh, we have huge disagreements here, but what is important is to have the exposure and uh, understand exactly where you align politically. So you're more or less you fall in. Anyway, regardless of that, uh, of where you align on the rape and incest question, you still are considered um, to be pro-life, especially in this day and age, where um, there um, the party line on the on the left is that there are no no except um, there is 
Um, it's a fundamental right. Roe v. Wade is a fundamental right, and it should be up until all nine months. So at this point, um, the pro-life movement has has uh, a variety of people more uh, who are who may or may not um, believe in the uh, in exceptions when it comes to rape and incest, but. Still, you fall into the pro-life um, pro pro-life camp, and which we all appreciate very much. But um, talking about pro-life and all of that, there is a, another question on tactics. We see a lot of uh, people on the pro-life side; they are all or nothing. So my problem with them is: here's I'll give you one example. We've seen Mike Pence. A lot, I've seen the pro-lifers defend Mike Pence that he yeah. he said this or that. But pr Mike Pence, I understand him to be pro-life fundamentally. But my problem with the people defending Mike Pence is he's not viable to win any election and he's not popular yeah. within the base. So when you well, go out... He, he, he's, a, he's a lost cause. Yes. So when you go out and defend Mike Pence, why? Because he is pro-life. It's kind of... Um, you are... You're preaching to nobody here because nobody want to, wants to listen. I appreciate Mike, Mike Pence's uh, pro-life stance, but he's not, he's not somebody nobody's going to look to for leadership. So the question is, you, when you, when, not you, but when the, the general you, when you have people who are going to defend Mike Pence um, because, oh, he's pro-life, so we have to defend them, but he's not a viable candidate. He's not viable, not even, not even uh, uh, to win. I don't believe he could win a congressional election at this point. No, he's not popular anywhere. So when you have somebody like Mike Pence, who is not viable to win any elections, and you point and you put him on a pedestal. Oh, he's this uh, pro-life uh, leader or something. I think this kind kind of diminishes the pro-life um, movement. That oh, we have all these. We have so many leaders, but basically ninety-five percent of them are not not even people to not even serious people. So it's uh, all or nothing. It's either we defend all pro-lifers, all pro-life leaders, or or we do not um, we do not defend um, somebody who is let's say a little bit he's a, he's um, somebody who's uh, for let's say things that up until six six months let's let's just say somebody like that that person is not pro life but that person is a Republican so let's say that person runs in California for the Senate I've seen pro life Republicans pro lifers in general say that somebody like that, they wouldn't vote for him because that person is not pro-life enough. But my problem with no. that is, my, here's my problem. I understand he's not pro, that person not pro-life enough, but just imagine, you can win, this person is viable to win in California because he's liberal enough, but also uh, Republican enough that, we can, that even conservatives can vote for him. So the problem here is this. You're not going to vote for him, for that person, because that person is not pro-life enough. But that person could also vote on defunding pro, um, pan, uh, Planned Parenthood in secret, with uh, with Republic, not in secret as in nobody knows, but a, 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 something that is not discussed. There are a lot of bills that go through, um, that, that are pushed through, that doesn't get that much media coverage. So he could vote on pro-life measures while not being pro-life himself. So my problem is, if the pro-life movement is not going to endorse Republican candidates, that they might not be completely pro-life, because they're they're not pro-life, but this person could do other things like vote against um, f funding for Planned Parenthood or push through other kinds of bills that are not strictly. You could say it's not strictly pro-life, but it's also it, what it is is uh, measures that put the the pro-abortion lobby on their heels. What do you, what do you think about that? When where there is this absolutism on the pro-life side that I, I've seen. Have you seen anything like that? 
Uh, personally, no, no, I haven't. Well, that's a well, that's a very interesting turn of events because I've seen I've seen a lot of uh, I've seen a lot of it on the pro life side. So again, back to back to tactics. Here's another here's another thing that I this is something that I brought up, and I want to know I want to get your um, your point of view if this is a good idea. Yeah. I pointed out that I would like to see the pro life movement bring up the people who were who were who survived the abortions people who are deformed because of abortions bring them up to the senate once Repo when republicans get back the senate and also bring them up on the house you have the house do it bring them up there make the democrats who are very much pro abortion bring them up there make them answer to them i think you make them let them make their case to the faces of the people who are of, who are the victims of botched abortions make them let them make their case that i believe you should not be alive right now It will be one hell of a picture, one amazing picture to see the Democrats trying to justify why they believe that these people should not be alive right now. What do you think about that? I think I think it's 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 fair, uh, but I, obviously I don't. Um, it's dirty. I, I agree, it's dirty. But yeah. this is about to me. It's about saving lives. So I'm I have no qualms with using dirty politics to push through certain things that might really hurt the Democrats, uh, especially seeing how the Democrats have no qualms doing the same to Republicans. Yeah, no. But, I mean, the, 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 the truth is, and that's what's wrong with our politics, is that when dirty tactics are hit on one side, dirty tactics have to hit on the other. And it just grows and grows and grows and more and more and more. We're just, at a point, it just becomes immature. Uh, one thing that I, uh, I really stand against is, um, uh, I forget... Oh, I forget his name. Uh, the football coach senator. What's his name? John Fetterman. No, 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 not the not the idiot. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, he looks uh, like a football coach. No, it's a, it's an actual uh, to uh, Toby Tuberville or something. To uh, like Tommy Tuberville. Yeah, Tommy Tuberville. Uh, same thing with the dirty tactics. Right now, what he's doing, we're literally halting our military leadership because he wants to send a message because he keeps on voting against. The uh, those that are being appointed uh, to the Senate, I, I, and that's, that's that's what I'm standing against. Is that we cannot continue fighting dirty tactics with dirty tactics, hate with hate, uh, because it just gets us nowhere, and it builds the fire more. And at the end of the day, it's just going to get worse and becomes more mature. We have to find that common ground. Once one side, if one side is fighting with dirty tactics and the other is unfazed. And continues fighting with that bipartisanship, with that love. Soon enough, that one side that's fighting with dirty tactic is going to get bored and knows that it's not working anymore. So they're going to start going back to the level of actually talking like the other side is. And that continues to build the relationship up in terms of bipartisanship. So, I, you know, I, I, I really stand against the idea of, uh, which I've heard from a lot, fighting, uh, and they say fighting fire with fire. Well, I guess we have reached another disagreement because I really much endorse using dirty tactics, especially um, the. Here's another thing. Uh, here's the. In your defense of of dirty tactics, is that what will stop the Democrats from using it against us once they get into power? Which I which I reply. Well, they're already using it against us, so there is no there is no reason why we shouldn't. And here's a, here, but I also justify it with this: using dirty tactics and even um, downright um, tactics that. Um, might be to one or another extent t 
technically illegal, such as the illegal search warrants that the Democrats have been pushing through, um, the uh, arresting of um, um, of the January 6th rioters. That is illegal. Yeah. I, that is completely illegal. They're only trespassers. The people who rioted, they should get what they have coming to them. Although uh, uh, the the cancer treatment denying, they, they, this is real. They denied cancer treatments, and I don't care if they rioted. This is unacceptable. But the the rioters, they should get what they deserve. But the trespassers, they had done, they all they did was just trespass, and it is highly illegal. But they still, yeah, they do it. So I'm saying, well, if it is illegal, then they should have no. Then then it should should have been illegal when y- you did it. So now you're going to suffer as much as we we did. Anyway. Point, uh, this is um yeah. this is um what I uh, this is what I'm endorsing that we use the same taxi- tactics against them but it is not to do revenge this is not about revenge although it's uh, it's kind of sweet to do to have a little revenge but it's not about that what it is about is showing the Democrats we can also do this we can do this do the, do this even better than you can we will do this against you and well, once you had enough we will come both to the table. And we will figure out exactly how we negotiate to make this more transparent so something like this doesn't happen again. So it's basically what I'm saying is be uh, a little bit corrupt or use dirty tactics or do the things that they are doing to you just so they know, wait a minute, these guys could do the same to us. So we better calm the hell down and stop using this against them. But you disagree with me on that. I do. And I disagree on the, you know, the idea of revenge, as I said. Yeah. I, no, no, no. I'm not endorsing no, revenge. I'm not re- endorsing. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm just acknowledging. <laughs> I'm acknowledging that revenge would be sweet. I'm just acknowledging the fact revenge would be sweet, but I'm not endorsing it. Okay. All right. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, we've been on this uh, um, topic for a little now. Yeah. And I will um, finish right now. We'll, we'll finish in just a moment. I just want to ask you, the last. this is the last thing on the list, absolutely. is about... Turning the state red, we are we are talking here in New York. We're um, yeah. New York oriented. So the question here is about turning the state red. Do you believe that New York has any chance at all at becoming a, at the very least? How about this? You know what? Let's let's take it back one more step. Let's take it back a step. Not right. red per se. Turning it purple, just so it is a competitive state. Do you believe that there is a chance for New York to turn purple? It is already purple. If we look at the. Uh, midterm elections in 2022 when Lee Zeldin ran for governor, we were a state that was red with blue cities. We won over congressional... We won so much that Democrats right now are not only to try... are are not only trying to change election law amendments, but they're also trying to redraw congressional district lines. The Democrats, the Albany Democrats are terrified and they are running... To do, they're, <laughs> they're grabbing as much as they can. You know, State Senator James Kufis is trying to move uh, local, you know, election offices to even years so it matches presidential races. And then you have uh, the, the governor, Albany Democrats, trying to redistrict congressional lines and gerrymander. Um, so it goes in their favor. It is happening across the state. So right now it is already purple because Democrats are terrified. They know that the people are fed up and that the people were hyped for Lee Zeldin. Lee Zeldin was the last I can I from what I can say and what I can see because New Yorkers are fleeing the state because people cannot afford to live here. Lee Zeldin was the last Republican to lose the governor race. The next race for governor, depending on who the candidate is, if it's a good candidate just like Lee Zeldin they either he or she will win and uh, if we keep this momentum of exposing the lies 
of the Albany Democrats, of this one-party establishment that has been going on for years, at some point, very, very soon, even coming 2024, people will finally wake up and say, you know, obviously this one-party system isn't working anymore. I think I'm going to try on a new champ with the Republican Party. And a lot of people are saying it. So that grows people's minds. People become more open-minded. People will go to the ballot and vote Republican as they're registered as Democrats. Um, it, it's it's just, yeah, but the, the state is very on the edge of turning um, blue uh, from blue to red. Well, it's great to hear um, optimism, but we also have to remember not, never to be complacent about this. We, there, nothing is for certain, and we have to put in the work. Now, it's the la- now I have the last question. Talking about Lee Zeldin, do you endorse Lee Zeldin to run for the Senate this time around? Well, I can tell you, uh, I know personally, uh, I know who will be running for the Senate. Um, uh, unfortunately, it is not Lee Zeldin, though, but I can't give the name either. Uh, but... Um, I know Lee Zeldin's staying out of it, but if he was running, I'm sure everybody would, uh, you know, you know, back him. Well, it was a well, it was an amazing um, interview to have with you. I would, Ooh. I would invite you for next time to have you on again. And thank you very much for joining us. Definitely, thank you for having me, Aaron. All right, have a nice day. You as well. Goodbye. I thank you, everybody, for listening. If you want to follow Elias Cunningham, you can follow him on Instagram at EliasCunningham.NewYork. And on Twitter, you can follow him at York. If you want to reach out to me, you can reach out to me on email at politodoxy at gmail.com or on Twitter at AaronPolitodoxy. Please leave five stars. And, of course, the most important thing you can do, share this episode. And if you want to leave a comment right under this episode on Spotify, you can do that as well. Thank you very much for listening. And remember, my fellow radicals, stay political.